Hey guys, Tim Glom here for Thinking Caps. I'm the VP of Content at Cheetah Digital, and I am joined, as always, by our CMO, Richard Jones. And today, we are excited to bring you Chris Musket. Chris leads the marketing technology at Shell, and they're doing some great things. They've been a uh, long-time client. They use a lot of experiences. They do some really innovative things with our technology. Chris, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm good, and thank you very much for inviting me, and thank you for the hat. Oh, yeah. Great hat, this is the first time I've seen anybody with a Cheetah Digital hat. This is gonna be the perfect Thinking Caps episode. <laughs> well, Chris, why don't we kick off? Let's jump right in, but why don't you first tell us a little bit about your role at Shell, um, how you got there, and, and and what your role's all about inside the Shell company. Yeah, no, of course, of course. It's interesting. I started off, believe it or not, in air traffic control. Um, that was where I really started, so away from Shell. Um, on my graduate placement, it was an engineer doing air traffic control, setting up how to track aircraft. And it's amazing that as you fast forward almost 20 years, um, I've gone from where I needed to identify, identify flying things, <laughs> classify them and track them through certain areas with IDs that might be visible or might not. And now I've come into a marketing world and actually it is a very similar technology basis. So it's quite interesting, but yeah, my, um, my kind of career, career path into, into marketing wasn't probably a traditional marketing background. Um, as I say, I came from um, a defense industry doing, doing, doing that kind of thing. Then um, took a role within Ernst & Young where I started to move into more IT security and IT systems. Um, and then I came into Shell where I, where I joined their marketing team um, as a BA and then I slowly worked myself up um, uh, being like the expert on the marketing technology stack um, where I brought in most of most of the, the website tracking, marketing tools, emails. Um, I've gone through all the RFP stages, then onboarded them into platforms into various departments. So I got a question for you, uh, Chris. Um, Scott Brinker's uh, marketing technology landscape came out um, in a, a week or two ago, and it had grown 13% year over year in terms of the number of vendors. So there's now yeah. over 8,000 marketing technology vendors. Do you, is that, you know, heading up marketing technology at some a company the size of Shell, do you see that volume of vendors as um, just an absolute nightmare or, or do you see it as an opportunity? Yeah, I think a bit of both. It, it's quite difficult because, I mean, I, I... When you've got lots of platforms, you, you, you always see the innovation from, from different platforms. And, um, you know, you always hear, hear this rule about the 80-20. You know, you, you want 100% of the functionality and you sometimes spend so long trying to do that. But in reality, you only use 20% of the functionality once. And I think those 8,000 probably fall into the, I wanted something for a specific reason and then I didn't use it again. So, I mean, I think in terms of the innovation, you know, yes, that's probably why we have the 8,000, but actually in practicality, trying to actually serve a consumer across digital with that number of platforms, but it becomes really, really um, tricky. So I think, you know, opportunity, but hindrance, and there's a careful balance between it. Um, yeah. And wow. yeah, I found myself in between a lot of arguments about why don't you use this one and not all of those 10. Um, and um, yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it's always hard. Well, let me ask you, I mean, Shell is a massive company. What's your footprint for Shell? I mean, a company like Shell. It's global, but like how large of a company? Just give our, give our viewers some kind of scale. Of what yeah. So um, when you, you normally see Shell as the 
the fuel courts, um, so the gas station. I mean, in terms of that footprint, um, we have over 46,000 sites. So, you know, in terms of stores, that's the biggest retailer in the world. Um, but that's only a part of Shell. Obviously, when you look at things like aviation, marine, you know, all the shipping kind of logistics, there's, there's, there's the chemical side of things, the lubricants, and then you've got the upstream part of the business, which is where we're we're extracting new energy um, um, and looking at new ways to get renewable um, sources. Um, so it's big. I mean, just yeah. the retail business is in 86 countries. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm driving cross country. I'm, I'm coming to you safely from a, from a hotel in Atlanta today. And I've certainly been putting Shell into my truck as I, I cruise that. So thanks for giving us the scale, 46,000 gas stations. That's massive. What are your biggest challenges challenges in the in the martech space i mean leading the martech space inside of shell what are the what are the biggest hurdles there um certainly this challenge of different systems is, is definitely one um you know trying to get some consistency we've kind of talked about core rocks trying to have the technology that tracks customers you know across channels trying to default with 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 core rock so we so we don't get into the conversation on every campaign you've got to do no x y and z we know those those foundation parts so that's one bit that we've tried to help ourselves with but i think the other part is you know very often and one of the reasons that you know cheetah experience came up in shell was this challenge that we had that every time you know we had a new campaign it often came with new technology because you know whether it was a particular agency whether it was an individual you know they'd searched on google found something and that brought in the next technology stack um, and we're finding that that process of trying to get a campaign i mean let's just say a very very simple ca campaign has some sort of form capture you know, going through that and making sure that we've gone through the privacy controls, you know, the brand controls, the visual identity, you know, the online standards, all of that was just taking so long and it was a repetitive step each time. Um, and I think that's the kind of challenge is how can we streamline it so it's not so painful to do things new and creative, um, but at the same time, give those markets the flexibility to do something, you know, new, you know, and sometimes this isn't about a new technology. It's trying to tweak and shape a journey correctly. And I think that's been the challenge is trying to make sure that, you know, especially some of the local countries, they have that freedom to work with an agency, come up with a good idea, but they kind of reuse what we've already done and they don't start from scratch each time. That's been one of the challenges that we've been trying to get buy-in. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, Chris, because we, we've had, we've had um, a number of folks that have come on to this podcast and have been talking about how, you know, with COVID-19, it's, it's really a massive digital acceleration, you know, that's happened for some of the customers, some of the industries in in weeks, you know, many years worth of digital accelerations literally happen uh, overnight. Now, given the, the sheer breadth, size and scale at Shell, moving, you know, at light speed must be very, very complex. Um, but at the same time, Shell's having to, you know, innovate with the situation that we're in. And very recently, you, you announced a new service, Shell Grocery to Go. So give us a little bit of info about that. Yeah, so at the start of this, um, I was I was watching the news and hearing about you know people trying to get 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 access to essential food and things like that and trying to reduce the risk, um, and it, it was literally talking around the fact that these companies that used to deliver food for um, for hotels and businesses, their business is gone. 
So um, I phoned one of them up just to find out whether we could work together. Um, and I came up with a concept. It, it was called Food to Boot, but it's now been rebranded Shell Grocery to Go. Um, but the idea was, was can we deliver an online ordering system where someone comes to our station and receives a package of food in the boot without getting out? So there's no chance of contracting, you know, because there is no physical contact. And can we, could we do that at scale? Um, so, yeah, I... I kind of went through the initial hurdles, you know, it was a very unique pitch, but, you know, using the technologies that we already had, I'm quite pleased to say that within two weeks, we actually had a working order site and a live pilot of the whole thing, which in, is absolutely amazing in Shell's terms, you know, to do something that quickly, you know, was, was, was breathtaking. Um, you know, we had some really good support, but um, it shows it is possible. I think the fact that it was, you know, this 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 very strange crisis gave us a little bit more, you know, room to operate, you know, in a crisis and a setup. But um, yeah, I think it was it, it was a good success, and it's definitely, you know, kind of a textbook learnings um, of how we can move quickly um, without jeopardising any of the controls that that are required to make things safe and compliant. Wow, and and Cheetah Digital was a part of that, right? We had a small part of that. Yeah, and I mean, again, the ordering part of this was was key, but we'd already gone through all of the the data privacy and um, and security parts for the Cheetah Experience platform, so it it did enable us just to quickly reuse that. So um, so yeah, I mean, that was that was the key to this. I mean. The lessons to share with some of the other businesses, they were like, how did you do that? And I said, well, we used the platform that already existed today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, as I say, I think it, it certainly turned some heads and people have been asking me after that, you know, how they can do a similar thing elsewhere. That's that's great. And we have another client uh, on another podcast that did the same thing in COVID. They used the Cheetah Experience platform as an RSVP to, to generate real-time sales when you couldn't go into a store in groups. Um, so you should check that out on a previous podcast with Bowtech. Uh, let me ask you though, just in general, I mean, we've had people on, on the podcast, um, that have, you know, gotten hit pretty hard from COVID, right? Hotels, travel industry, things like that. Um, and then others that are booming, like, you know, grocery, Andres at the sailing group, um, has talked about how groceries exploded and, and delivery. How overall, just, um, how has COVID kind of impacted and where do you guys stand at Shell from a high level perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think there's kind of the three, the three bands here. Certainly, from a staff staff perspective, I think all companies have had the same thing. It, it's a real change, you know. Some, I mean, we're we, we're used to working, you know, talking with colleagues around the world over, you know, we use Skype, but you know, it's actually now the fact that that's that's a normal way of doing business and having to make slight changes for that. And I think it was hard for some at first, but I think actually people have changed now. It'll be interesting, you know. It's a shame that you can't benchmark to see productivity, but I think the fact that people can switch off and start working on things where they can they can isolate themselves, excuse the pun, but you know, um, I think that's actually helping, you know. Um, but then when you're talking about working with customers, you know, there is now a slight more distancing um, with the customers. Obviously, I think throughout, you know, you know, the globe, this 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 customer support bit and how customers get access to support quickly, that's that's a challenge because obviously workforce has dropped down a little bit, you know, um, uh, but the customer inquiries have increased a lot more, um, and that's probably the same for B two B as well. Um, and I think then, you know, actually coming up with the business models, there are opportunities for changing the business quickly. 
And I think this is where, you know, the groceries, you know, or even, you know, you know, corner shops doing home delivery and stuff like that. It's it's shown a massive boom in the opportunities. I think it's that latter part because of the size of us. It's a bit hard to change to look at too many of those 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 niche markets. I'd love to, and I'm I'm constantly told told by my boss that that we can't explore them all. But um, you know, I think that's where the exciting place is. Is you know, how can we actually serve customers' needs as they change, and will those changes stay changed after this? You know, yeah. a lot of people are now happy to order. I mean, my mum would never order no food online. She's done it once and realised, oh, wow, you know, I can actually look and find what I want rather than, you know, getting it impulse buy. So will she stay doing that that, that after? So I think there is the, these kind of you know, subtle changes. I think the bits that are really interesting is stuff that we didn't think would change or didn't think could change. I mean, if you think about buying a car, for instance, you know, the, the the garage is now doing, you know, uh, they they drive the car, they clean it and leave it outside your house then go away and come back. And it's just those those kind of models. And it is consumer convenience that would have never happened before because businesses could have just not needed to do it. Or so I say that they wouldn't have wanted to change their business model in that way. But now consumers are using it. They're probably going to say, I prefer that. That was, that was a better way of doing business. And I think that's going to be the interesting change. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We had uh, um, the chief customer officer of uh, Blooming Brands was on the podcast recently, and a massive multi-billion-dollar restaurant chain. And he was he was sort of saying that you know when you actually look at the data around who's coming in and ordering the curbside delivery or coming into the online channels, it wasn't actually the same demographics that were coming into the uh, restaurant on Friday night with the family. So they yeah. they were they'd opened up their service to this whole sort of new uh, segment of customers and so the challenge now as restaurants are opening up is how do you tempt back the existing you know yeah. the original customer base whilst keeping all of this new online audience that you had and try and kind of get the the the, the folks that are doing online to come into the restaurant as well because that's the most valuable customer yeah. so, you know things won't return totally to normal but there's opportunities i think for some businesses uh, uh, in that whole process yeah no agreed agreed um yeah yeah i mean i think the restaurant part is going to be really interesting i was curious if restaurants would start doing kind of you know meal kits to try and get people still having their favorite meal but still being able to do it and i think in the uk it's not really happened in that way um you know we've seen like the delivery part of <laughs> booming but you know some of the big restaurants just just have stayed shut which you know um It'll be interesting to see what they do over the next couple of months. Now, I've got a, a question for you, which is uh, very much focused on the um, probably one of the hardest parts of, of uh, you know running marketing technology. And I've heard other other folks tell me over the years that actually implementing technology isn't really the hard part. The hard part is is changing culture. So, how how do you approach when you? putting in your projects and, and leading change, kind of winning hearts and minds around the projects that you deployed? Yeah, um, I think this this touches on the 8,000 tech that you, you actually mentioned before. There's a lot of people that, that have tried a particular platform, that's their, that's their comfort base, you know, and change from that is difficult. And um, I always find that, you know, trying to understand the needs, trying to actually make sure that they're bought in and trying to share what they want, 
that's the most important thing. If you go to someone and say, I've got the solution to the problem that you haven't told me, no one's ever going to take it. Yeah, so I think it's working on that. But I always find that certainly, you know, within Shell, I've always found that, you know, trying to trying to co-develop, you know, the problem statement, but then everyone always likes to see something really early on. So trying to put, you know, something together as quickly as possible to take them through it, get their steer on, you know, what they think needs to be able to change. So make sure that, you know, you are co-combining, you know, um, no ideas, you know, to come up with a solution. Um, but doing that on a pilot basis always seems to work. Um, whereas if something is, you know, a, rep a repeatable thing, like with Cheetah Experience, it's then showcasing, you know, what a different country or business did with the tool and what the success was. So we've kind of created a portal where we've documented what was the audience, what did it do, what were the successes, what were the failures, you know, perhaps they marketed on, on, on Facebook and it should have been YouTube, whatever. But, you know, doing that, that's, that's the tangible bit. So I think it's, it's it's the belief that something is more than an idea is one part and then also trying to 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 actually help someone along the journey so they're not left alone to pick up the pieces if that makes sense yeah. um, i think they're the two bits that i i find seem to work very sound advice very sound advice now chris chris you're the head of marketing technology at shell massive corporation global you even said 46000 retail locations from a gasoline perspective. And you talked a little bit earlier in the podcast about how you actually use Cheetah experiences, specifically during COVID and, and your grocery program. But I have to ask you, what was it that attracted you to Cheetah experiences? What was the value that you saw? And, and what was the future that you saw when, when you looked at the platform and why you brought it in-house to Shell? Um, I mean, I touched on a bit of it earlier, just around the fact that we had... Uh, so at the time, I was looking after our licensee business, which is around you know, 56 countries. And um, we, were, we were having this, this common problem that, that you know, every week someone was saying, I want to do a new campaign. I want to use this, this platform. Um, and it was just common, common problems, but with different solutions each time. So um, it was during this time of where I had probably the biggest peak. It's probably one of the summers where, where I was dealing with the same thing every single day with a different the marketing team and um i was working with um it was cadbury's actually we went to um we went to a conference together and basically we saw your platform um and um we kind of both asked for a run through and what i saw was the opportunity to start saying right we'll build templates you know that are brand approved um document them and allow markets just to pick them and go really quickly with them Whereas in the past, what they'll do is they'll come up and they'd have to go through. I mean, it, it was probably about a two month process just to get the approvals before you could even start doing something. So the sell was really the fact that we're coming up with a solution that templates campaigns, you know, the interactive part of a campaign um, in a repeatable way, which can be done in weeks. And the sell was really the fact that each market could perhaps contribute to building one campaign in the year. But if they've got, you know, a group of countries that they're working together, they can share the campaigns from the other countries. So maybe they could have one campaign every couple of weeks, but only contrib contribute one. They're just localizing it. So that was kind of sell. Um, and we brought it in and we tested it with a number of markets. And, you know, it did it did work. People were talking to each other. They were sharing ideas and sharing campaigns. So, I mean, that's kind of the story of how it got there and and, and how it went forward. I think Cadbury's story was the same. Um, you know, um, I lost contact after we actually signed up um, 
too cheap, cheap to experience, but, but, but their problem statement was similar. So, Chris, um, you know, one of the things around kind of digital acceleration that we've seen uh, over the, the recent sort of uh, weeks and months and, and perhaps 18 months or so before kind of COVID-19 took hold is that we have seen many marketers want to establish direct connections with uh, consumers for a whole variety of different reasons, everything from building the marketing database to doing research uh, to understanding customers a little bit better so they can do personalized uh, outreach. Now, obviously, I know, Michelle, with the wide sort of deployment of cheat experiences in, in many different kind of markets, have done lots and lots of different campaigns to, you know, can make those direct connections to, to consumers. And I wondered if you'd uh, just do us a favor and just talk about one or two campaigns of kind of how you've actually done that, just to give some practical examples to our listeners. Yeah, sure. So, um I mean, a couple of the big ones, we had um, um, a new loyalty program in, in, in Argentina. So they were all about reach, you know, how can they get new customers to understand about products and services? So their one was, was, was fantastic. And the fact that from very little, no marketing spend, you know, they could actually attract a huge volume of people to come through and sign up to communication preferences. Um, and I think that was a balance between the, the experience was right and shareable. So they didn't always have to rely on you know, paid media, um, and also the fact that, you know, it was a bit of fun, it was relevant, you know, um, and people liked you know, interacting um, with that particular campaign. So I think that was really good, um, you know, in terms of sales, sales uplift and contactable customers. I think the other one that I was really impressed with, just because of the time frame in Malaysia, they did a scratch and win. So they reused the functionality that that, that we'd, we'd already built. Um, and they just wanted, again, you know, contactable customers. Um, so they did um, a scratch and win where you spent a certain amount and then you got a scratch card with a code on it. You had to go to the website and sign up. And in order to be, be, be entered, you know, you basically have to give um, give give some contact information. I mean, for them, I think they had something like two hundred and fifty thousand in a couple of weeks. It was amazing numbers, you know. Um, but um, you know, I think they are two successes on the fact that with very little, you know, investment in 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 setting up new technology because they reused something, they went live very quickly and got a, a really sizable, um, you know, um, customer base. Fantastic. Wow. Fantastic. So um, I just wanted to finish off, uh, you know, the one last question. I know you're, you're a busy man and we really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, but so maybe this is a bit of advice for, for folks, you know, in the, you know, deploy marketing technology or thinking about uh, marketing technology. You know, we, we often meet many marketers that will interact with events or that come through our digital channels or whatever that, that have got an idea, something sparked, and they want to actually implement uh, a new technology project, but they actually struggle with getting the alignment and the budget sign off. Um, particularly if they're perhaps, you know, haven't done it before, or a more junior person and trying to navigate how that whole process works of getting buy-in and getting projects off the, off the ground. Um, what tips can you provide our listeners on, you know, how to, how to make the business case? Um, I guess you've got two aspects to that. One is from getting, you know, the project team bought in. Um, and I often think that seeing and believing and getting involved with understanding and supporting tech, tech side of things, that's one side, um, necessarily for me. When you go up the chain, trying to get that buy-in that it is, you know, it is as 
simple or straightforward as perhaps you're trying to say, or perhaps it's not, perhaps it is you know, complicated, but it's putting that story really, really simply. Um, I think I've seen lots of proposals where the technology comes in really early on and obviously people switch off. They, they, they perhaps don't want that, 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 that part. So it's almost about trying to get this context diagram. So I often do a context diagram at the beginning before I write anything, just to try and get three or four core blocks and these core rocks that I spoke about, about, about earlier. How can you make sure that you can articulate that part of the business case, just to two or three things and then remove everything else? Because as soon as you get through to the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, people switch off. So I think that's that's one tactic that you know I like to do. And that comes from my my business analyst days, this, this, this kind of idea of a contextual part. I also like the Amazon story of just trying to write, what would a success look like? Can you do this press release style thing where you're saying, you know, this is what I achieved. Can you start with that? Because certainly the senior people, that's what they want to know. So if you can start off with that and work backwards, that certainly gives you a bit more of a better footing on what this document business case is going to look like. Um, and then finally, what I, I, I always like to do is have like a back pocket card where I'll put a very simple prototype together that's something you can pull out and say, well, okay, perhaps you didn't get it. Why don't you try it? And they're like, well, what do you mean try it? Well, I'll put it together. You know, this is what it's like. It doesn't all, all work. It's near enough there. Um, and um, certainly for some of the stakeholders, they, they prefer to react in that way and, and actually start ask, asking questions. And um, something that perhaps I'm not brilliant at I'm trying to get a lot better is trying to make sure you've got that time for that one-to-one -one before you know those big meetings and actually trying to make sure that you sit down make sure that perhaps they've got some of the insights so it's not all brand new to them you know in that big show and tell meeting and um, so I think they're probably the key the, the key tips for it um, and I guess the other part to this is to try and get all of the legal T's and C's answered before they ask the question. So cookies, data privacy, brand, all of those things, because um, they always they always come up. And um, if you cover those really early on, it just means that they're out the way and you don't have to rush and retrofit things. Fantastic advice, advice. I mean, for, yeah, for anybody trying to get marketing technology projects uh, off, the, off the ground. I mean, uh, I think as we move forward over the next uh, year or so, those 8,000 bits of marketing technology in Scott Brinker's uh, uh, technology landscape are going to get implemented by a lot of marketers. So some really good advice there. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the Thinking Cats. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thanks. I think he, I think you get the award for the best cap yet. I yeah. don't even have one of those. So <laughs> kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, cool. Well, thank you for it. Well, guys, we'll bring Chris back uh, again later. They've been a great client. They've been using Cheetah Experiences for quite a while. Hope you enjoyed this episode. You can always find more episodes. Go back and find other episodes and subscribe to our new episodes on Apple iTunes Thinking Caps. We are out, guys. Good talking to you.